voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee every hour. Stay thou nearby. Temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. I need thee every hour. Teach me thy will and thy rich promises in me fulfill. I need thee every hour, most holy one. Oh, make me thine indeed, thou blessed Son. I need thee I need Thee, every hour I need Thee, oh bless me now my Savior, I come to It's a pleasure to welcome you this morning to the house of the Lord and to greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. My hope and pray that his good spirit will be here with us and will touch your lives. I know that each of us come with different cares and concerns and burdens from the world. And it is my hope that the good spirit will meet each of those needs in your lives this day. I know that he waits to bless us. He waits for us to come to him. And thank you, Amy and Mike and Vida, for bringing the good spirit and setting the tone for our worship this morning. I would like to share as a call to worship um, from chapter 17 of the book of Alma, verses 79 and 80. For behold, it is as easy to give heed to the word of Christ, which will point you to a straight course to eternal bliss, as it was for our fathers to give heed to this compass, which would point them a straight course to the promised land. And now I say, is there not a type in this thing? For just as surely as this director did bring our fathers by following its course to the promised land, shall the words of Christ, if we follow their course, carry us beyond this veil of sorrow into a far better land of promise. We'll begin our worship now this morning singing hymn number 63. And then Brother Tony will bring our prayer of invocation.
Father who art in heaven, holy, holy, holy is thy name. And we count it a great joy and privilege here this day to gather to this your house and to worship thee and thy son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we're thankful for thee and in the teeth from which all blessings flow. And we are such a blessed people, even to worship here in freedom this day. Father, we pray that thy good spirit might attend us, that it might move upon the hearts of each one gathered here, and that it may be with my brothers as they exercise their individual responsibilities today. May that good spirit guide and direct them. And that as we depart from this sanctuary this day, may each be edified and strengthened, and may we worship thee in spirit and in truth. And this is our prayer, Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, who is Jesus Christ. Amen. For scripture reading, I'd like to read from Doctrine and Covenants, section 1, verses 2a through 2e. Behold, this is mine authority and the authority of my servants, and my preface unto the book of my commandments, which I have given unto them to publish unto you, O inhabitants of the earth. Wherefore, fear and tremble, O ye people. For what I, the Lord, have decreed in them shall be fulfilled. And verily I say unto you, that they who go forth bearing these tidings unto the inhabitants of the earth, to them is power given to seal both on earth and in heaven the unbelieving and rebellious. Yea, verily to seal them up unto the day when the wrath of God shall be poured out upon the wicked without measure unto the day when the Lord shall come to recompense unto every man according to his work, and measure to every man according to the measure which he has measured to his fellow man. Will you bow with me? Our dear, kind, and loving Heavenly Father, we thank thee for all the wondrous gifts that thou hast so generously bestowed upon us. And now as we are about to give back a portion, help us realize that all we have and all we are belongeth unto thee. Bless us to this end, we pray, in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
If you have your scriptures with you, I would invite you to turn to the book of Alma, chapter 17. A majority of our text will be taken from this book this day. And I would invite you to follow along. My opening scripture will be verses 66 through 70. Let us start in 65. And now, my son, remember the words which I have spoken unto you. Trust not those secret plans unto this people, but teach them an everlasting hatred against sin and iniquity. Preach unto them repentance and faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. Teach them to humble themselves and to be meek and lowly in heart. Teach them to withstand every temptation of the devil that their faith, with their faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. Teach them to never be weary of good works, but to be meek and lowly in heart, for such shall find rest to their souls. O oh, remember, my son, and learn wisdom in thy youth. Yea, learn in thy youth to keep the commandments of God, and yea, yea, and cry unto God for all thy support. Yea, let all thy doings be unto the Lord, and whithersoever thou goest, let it be in the Lord. Yea, let thy thoughts be directed unto the Lord. Yea, let the, the affections of thy heart be placed upon the Lord forever. Counsel the Lord in all thy doings, and he will direct thee for good. Yea, when thou liest down at night, lie down unto the Lord, that he may watch over you in your sleep. And when thou risest in the morning, let thy heart be full of thanks unto God. And if ye do these things, ye shall be lifted up at the last day. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his record. Give my life to you 
on the other side of the cross I will give my life to you my Lord on the other side of the cross Brothers and sisters, have you given yourself to the Lord on the other side of the cross? And I think that's probably why we're all sitting here today. And I want to thank Stacy, or I'm sorry, Amy, <laughs> Amy, and uh, all of a sudden my mind's running blank on me, Mike, and this is going to be embarrassing, I can tell already. Vita, <laughs> my apologies to all three of you as I thank you for your ministry. And, you know, obviously I need prayers, but, you know, sometimes I think, do we remember the accompanist? Do we remember uh, those who will bring the ministry that sit at home, you know, they ask for the hymns as a presider. I know that they, they would like to get the hymns as soon as they can and they want to be able to practice because that's their offering and it's so important to them. And so... Uh, my sincerest apologies to you guys for losing your names in my mind, but uh, it's so important, and music does so much for uh, our setting and for uh, the, the worship which we have, and it welcomes in that spirit. And so today, I want to discuss, and it's interesting because up until a day or so ago, my opening scripture was Brad's scripture. And so I think it's interesting how the Lord works all that out because as I was reading through that chapter, I thought verse 80 would have been a good opening scripture for me. But then at the last moment, I changed that. And when Brad read it, I understood why. And so today we're going to talk about Alma. And of course, we know that this is to his son Helaman. Helaman was one of his better sons. Uh, We know that he had three sons that he wrote to. And one of them had some issues, and of course he had to reprimand him. And Helaman was the son that was going to receive the plates. And so Alma is sharing with his son Helaman in this chapter. And so I, want, I would like for us to go back to the beginning of the chapter, chapter 17, verse 1. And he says, My son, give ear to my words, for I swear unto you that inasmuch as you shall keep the commandments of God, ye shall prosper in the land. I would that ye should do as I have done in remembering the captivity of our fathers, for they were in bondage and none could deliver them, except it was the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, and he surely did deliver them in their afflictions. Now, one thing, if we look back on the conversion of Alma, the younger, one thing the angel instructed him to do was to remember the captivity of the fathers. And brothers and sisters, if we apply this to our life, and if we apply this to the spiritual side of our life, I want you to recall in your life, how has the Lord delivered you from bondage? You know, of course, we can talk about Israelites being led out of Egypt, 
We can talk about uh, Alma and his people being led up out of physical captivity. But brothers and sisters, this bondage, Jesus Christ leads us out of bondage. And so he's asking him, he's telling him to remember the captivity of your fathers. I want to encourage you and admonish you to consider the captivity of your fathers. Consider all these words. Remember, you know, we have it written on the front of our sacrament table. And we find the word remember. It's listed in our prayers over the sacrament. The prayers which we are, in, we are instructed and told to read word for word. And all through the scriptures we read, remember, remember. And so he's asking us to remember. And why do we have these scriptures? We have these scriptures so that we might remember. And so remember your captivity. Remember your captivity before you came to the cross. For me, I was born into the church, so my path may, be a, may not be as defined or as I look back on it and rec- recollect, it may not be the same as somebody who, who uh, was a true convert to the church. But all of us have walked the sinful road. All of us have these things in our lives. All of us have battled these things in our lives and we've fought to overcome them and we've searched out the Lord, hopefully. And I would hope and venture a guess that each one of you sitting here can think of a time when the Lord has delivered you from bondage, whether it's an emotional grief, whether it's a physical um, condition. And so... He starts out by telling him, remember the bondage, and none could deliver them. See, that's foundational, brothers and sisters, for us to remember that. And when you look back on your life and you think to yourself, in those moments, who could deliver you? I would like to turn to Doctrine and Covenant 17. And this is our memory, part of this is our memory verse for, for this month. Doctrine and Covenant 17, and I will start in verse 5. Wherefore, the Almighty God gave His only begotten Son, as it is written in those scriptures which have been given of Him, He suffered temptation, but gave no heed unto them. He was crucified, died, and rose again the third day, and ascended into heaven to sit down on the right hand of the Father, to reign with almighty power according to the will of the Father, that as many as would believe and be baptized in His holy name and endure in faith to the end should be saved. Not only those who believed after He came in the meridian of time in the flesh, But all those from the beginning, even as many as were before he came, who believed in the words of the holy prophets, who spake as they were inspired by the gift of the Holy Ghost, who truly manifested of him in all things, should have eternal life as well as those who should come after, who should believe in the gifts and callings of God by the Holy Ghost which beareth record of the Father and of the Son, which Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are one God, infinite and eternal without end. Amen. And we know that all men must repent and believe on the name of Jesus Christ and worship the Father in His name. 
and endure in faith on his name to the end, or they cannot be saved in the kingdom of God. And we know that justification through the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is just and true. And we know also that sanctification through the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is just and true to all those who love and serve God with all their might, mind, and strength. And so here we're told Jesus Christ came and he uh, was exposed to sin, but he gave it no heed. He was crucified and he rose again on the third day and he rose up in power. And he goes on to say, we believe and we know that all men must repent. So it's not just enough to believe. And we talked about this extensively in class about uh, works versus just grace. The, the devils know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. They know that. But are they saved? No, they're not. And what it comes down to is this, the, the baptism. You repent, you're baptized. And then sanctification comes. Justification comes through faith and through His grace and through His mercy. Not that we uh, in and of ourselves deserve any of this, but because He loves us. And He knows that we can be redeemed. And He chooses to redeem us and He will redeem us. And when He does redeem us, it actually cleanses us. It cleanses, cleanses us of our sins to where we're made new. Do we believe that? Do we believe we are made new when we offer that prayer and we ask the Lord to bless us, to forgive us of our sins? So if we move on to verse 10 in Alma. Alma 17, verse 10. And now Alma is sharing his experience with Helaman which we can imagine he's probably heard many times before. And he he tells him, he says, I was racked with eternal torment for my soul was harrowed up with the greatest degree, up to the greatest degree, and racked with all my sins. Yea, I did remember all my sins and iniquities for which I was tormented with the pains of hell. And there again, he talks about remembering. And this is what hell is, is the remembrance And how many times do we walk through life and we remember something we've done in the past? And, you know, that memory or that remembrance racks us with torment. He goes on to say, Yea, I saw that I had rebelled against my God. So here was a man who rebelled against God and he didn't care. He thought maybe he was doing all the people a favor because they believed in this foolish tradition. What the scripture tells me is that when we step over to the other side and we're in this time and and in this position, there is no more, well, I thought this and I thought that. All Alma knew was that he was wrong. He knew that he was rebelling against God. And see, in this world, we justify it away that, and, and we have now turned it around as a comment was made in class this morning that the scripture now reads to the world, judge not lest you be judged. You know, they leave out the unrighteously or the righteously part. 
And so the world tells us, I can do whatever I want, but you can't judge me. But when you step to the other side, brothers and sisters, there's going to be no excuse. And you won't be able to hold that, that uh, explanation in, in your mind. He goes on to, to share, and he knew he would rebel against God, and that he had not kept his holy commandments, yea, and I had murdered many of his children. And so the thought came so pronounced to him that he realized what he was doing was actually committing murder because he was leading the people of God away. And then fine, so great had been my iniquities that the very thought of coming into the presence of my God did rack my soul with inexpressible horror. But listen to this part, down in 15. And it came to pass that when, as I was thus racked with torment while I was harrowed up by the memory of my, man, my many sins, behold, I remembered also to have heard my father prophesy unto the people concerning the coming of one Jesus Christ a son of God, to atone for the sins of the world. So he, this man is sharing this very basic knowledge he had. My father was talking about this Jesus Christ. He was a son of God. So just as his memory of his sins was afflicting him, the very fact that he had a memory of what his father was teaching him came back to him. And he says, next, now, as my mind caught a hold upon this, upon this thought, upon this thought, I did within my heart, I cried within my heart, O Jesus, thou Son of God, have mercy on me, who art in the gall of bitterness and art encircled about by the everlasting chains of death. And now, behold, when I thought this, I could remember my pains no more. Is it that easy? It sounds like it. He must have been exercising a great deal of faith at this point. Because I know there are times when I've repented of a sin, but it's still there. I still feel, I still have that memory. I still feel bad for what I've done. But this man, he could remember his pains no more, and I was harrowed up by the memory of my sin no more. Does that interest us? Does that interest you to walk free of that and to be a better person? And oh, what joy and what marvelous light I did behold. Yea, my soul was filled with joy as exceeding as was my pain. Yea, and I say unto you, my son, that there could be nothing so exquisite and so bitter as were my pains. Yea, and again I say unto you, my son, that on the other hand, there can be nothing so exquisite and sweet as was my joy. And so, brothers and sisters, what this tells me is that the pain and the suffering you've gone through in life, the extent to which you've gone through that is the extent to which you will be able to receive joy. Because we know that you have to receive pain to understand joy. Isn't that right? And it's the way it works. It's the way the Lord designed it. We are designed, we have to feel pain so we know we are doing something wrong. When I was younger, I often wondered, why do we have to have nerve endings in our hands? You know, it's it's annoying to to hurt, to pain. You know, if you hit yourself with a hammer or you burn yourself. But then, as I grew up and I understood, hey, nerves protect our body, don't they, doctor? They protect our body. They protect us. Pain is a necessary part. But you know what? When we heal from that pain, don't we feel a great amount of joy because we've healed? <clears throat> 
So this remembrance, remember. Over in verse 32, he talks about these plates of brass. And these plates of brass, which contain the engravings, which had records of the Holy Scriptures upon them, which have the genealogy of our forefathers, even from the beginning. Behold, it had been prophesied by our fathers that they should be kept and handed down from one generation to another and be kept and preserved by the hand of the Lord until they should go forth unto every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, and that they shall know of the mysteries contained thereon. And now behold, if they are kept, they must retain their brightness, yea, and they will retain their brightness, yea, and also shall all the plates which do contain that which is holy writ. Brothers and sisters, I would submit to you that each one of you bears within you this holy writ. You contain the holy record, so to speak. So if this is the case, they must retain their brightness. Now, they must retain their brightness in our lives. We hear this all the time, that we must shine with the light of Christ. And these scriptures, as we take them within us, they shine. And people, when they see us and they see our, our compassion and they see our, our love and our mercy, they're not really seeing us, are they? They're seeing the Lord. Because we know that in and of ourselves it is hard for us to express love and compassion. And sometimes it's very difficult. And so he talks about these records and they're sacred. And he said they're entrusted for a very special purpose. And he says that if you do sin against the Lord and don't keep his commandments, these are going to be taken from you. And of course he's speaking about the plates. But brothers and sisters, isn't that, isn't that symbolic of our lives and how we are told that as we gain more and more light that if we turn away from this and turn more towards the darkness, then that which we even have will be taken from us. And so he's saying that be careful what you do. He says over in 46, And now I tell you by the spirit of prophecy that if ye transgress the commandments of God, behold, these things which are sacred shall be taken away from you by the power of God. And ye shall be delivered up unto Satan that ye may be sifted that he may sift you as chaff before the wind. And one thing, uh, we were talking this morning in class about, uh, about taking a scripture out of context and how the world tells us that as long as you believe, you're saved. But that's not true. We know that by our works, we show that we are saved. And this is the sifting time, brothers and sisters. We see all of this going on around us, and we hear this. This is part of his plan. And as the sifting takes place, we are going to see those around us that may, we feel, fall by the wayside. But we do have to understand also that the day is going to come. The the Lord tells us back in the second book of Nephi that he is going to do a marvelous work. Right? Right? And when he does that, we're going to see people converted. And when that happens, we may see somebody standing there that we didn't expect. 
And so this sifting is going to take place, and this sifting is taking place. We have to be strong. We have to be firmly grounded in the Scriptures that we will not be sifted as chaff before the wind. Over to verse 71. And as Brad read that scripture for us, we see that this is a type and a shadow. If they had faith to believe in verse 74, if they had faith to believe that God could cause those spindles should point the way they should go, behold, it was done. Therefore, they had this miracle and also many other miracles wrought by the power of God day by day. Nevertheless, because of those miracles, because those miracles were worked by small means, it did show unto them marvelous works. They were slothful and forgot to exercise their faith and diligence. And then those marvelous works ceased and they did not progress in their journey. Therefore, they did tarry in the wilderness or did not travel a direct course and were afflicted with hunger and thirst because of their transgression. And brothers and sisters, can we see this in in the world around us, that when we obviously turn away from the Lord's commandments, we see the effects of that. And the, the fact that you could look on, and sometimes I wonder in my mind, how would I have responded if, you know, my father had gone out and found this little spindle, this ball outside his tent, and he said, all you have to do is believe. You know, I asked myself, how would I have responded to that? And, of course, I think, well, that's kind of hard to believe. First of all, it said in the Scripture, no man could have made that. It was so curious. So maybe that would have been pushing me to the side of, yeah, I can believe that. But just to look at the very spindles, and if they moved in that direction and you believed which direction they would go. And that's what these scriptures are to us, is the scripture that Brad read to us. Is this not a type in the thing? For just as surely as the director did bring our fathers by following its course to the promised land, shall the words of Christ, if we follow their course, carry us beyond this veil of sorrow into a far better land of promise. Excuse me. I would like to talk, uh, let's turn over to Moroni 7 and let's talk about angelic ministry because we just mentioned miracles and how miracles come or rather that miracles cease and, and that miracles do come. Over in the book of Moroni chapter 7, <clears throat> Pardon me. Chapter 7, starting in verse 29. It says, And because he hath done this, my beloved brethren, hath miracles ceased, behold, I say unto you, Nay, neither have angels ceased to minister unto the children of men. For behold, they are subject unto him to minister according to the word of his command, showing themselves unto them of strong faith and a firm mind in every form of godliness. And so, firm in mind and strong in faith. 
And so we do have to have faith for these miracles to happen. Now, there's miracles that occur in, in everyone's lives. <clears throat> and I'd like to share a brief testimony of uh, somebody I work with. And he, he believes, they're believers, um, he grew up going to church, and nowadays I don't know exactly what his affiliation is or his attendance, but he shared with me a wonderful story. And so his daughter, his stepdaughter, at the age of 14 was diagnosed with kidney disease. And, then, and, and here we are so many years later, and she's still on dialysis. And so uh, she's never driven. She's never had a driver's license. She's always had to depend on somebody to take her places. And so now I believe she's 35 years old, and so 20 years, 19 years. And she's getting better, and so now she's able to drive. So her goal was to go get her driver's license. So in March, she undertook that task of going to get her driver's license. She'd show up, and and sometimes she would go on her way to dialysis, and she would take the written test. And the poor girl failed nine times. Nine times over the course of March to May. But brothers and sisters, let me share with you how the Lord worked all that out for her good and is in the process of working it out. She would leave in tears. She would be upset. And finally the day she passed, she went for her driver's test. And she got into the car with this lady um, who was given the test. And uh, she went through the test. And at some point the conversation went She said, I've seen you come in here, and I've seen you fail the test all those times. And she said, I know your condition. I know what you're going through. She said, my husband died because he wasn't able to receive a transplant. And she said, I want to to give you one of my kidneys. And so, brothers and sisters, I submit to you that even though in, in, in her struggles and her feeling like She was in front of a brick wall every time and just something so simple as passing a driver's test. If she would have gone and passed that test on the first day, do you think that lady would have crawled into that car and offered her a kidney? Probably not. I guess by the end of the conversation, they were both in tears and the woman, the the instructor said, okay, we we have to be professional here. We can't look like we've been carrying on on a personal level. So they had to dry their tears and everything. But... So now they're underway. Now, I haven't heard any word back, but they're underway to see if she is a match. The brothers and sisters, this this is going on everywhere. And the Lord is still mindful of every one of His creatures. And the fact that if she would have not been there and gone through that trial, she might not have received that blessing. And so miracles do happen. They are still happening. And each one of you sitting here knows this. And we go on and it says... Uh, in 30, nay, neither have angels ceased to minister unto the children of men. But for behold, they are subject unto him to minister according to the word of his command, showing themselves unto them of strong faith and firm mind in every form of godliness. And their office of their ministry is to call men unto repentance and to fulfill and to do the work of the covenant of the Father which he hath made unto the children of men, to prepare the way among the the children of men by declaring the word of Christ unto the chosen vessels of the Lord that they may bear testimony of him. And by so doing, the Lord prepareth the way that the residue of men may have faith in Christ 
and the Holy Ghost, that the Holy Ghost may have place in their hearts according to the power thereof. Brothers and sisters, you are called to be a witness. And just as Alma remembered when he was in the pains of hell, those three days he remembered what his father told him. He remembered what his father had said. How many years ago, how many days past did he remember that from? Brothers and sisters, you don't know that the next day when you go to work or you go and you face someone and you share the light of Christ with them, they may not accept it right away. But they may find themselves in this very situation where life has no answers. And they're standing and and they're up against a wall. And there's darkness all around them and they need light. And what if their, their mind can catch a hold of what you've told them? The light of Jesus Christ. You are called to be that witness. Don't ever let the world snuff out your light. And we, as a matter of fact, we're told that it's only by our transgression that the light of Christ can be. When we keep the commandments of God, the earth or hell, neither one of them can take away what we have. Neither one of them. But by our transgressions, we can. We can willingly give it away. We can sell ourselves. As the prophet said about the Israelites, why do you sell yourselves? And so doing, God prepares a way that the residue of men may have faith in Christ. God will not stop. He will not stop or give up. And Jesus Christ will continue. They are on the throne right now. And they are in charge. And they will not stop until the word is shared with everyone until they do everything in their power to save everyone. And brothers and sisters, that's what we're called to do. We're called to be that light. How do we bear that light? We have to cleanse ourselves. We have to be pure. We have to be sanctified. We have to be purified and sanctified as much as we can. And it's by the grace of God that this happens. We have to repent. We have to humble ourselves. The opening, the scriptures I read to you at the beginning, meek and lowly of heart, be humble. And be patient and wait on the Lord, but be actively engaged in sharing the gospel with those around you. Be that light. We need to find a way and we need to be open to the Spirit to where just one sentence is all we need. One sentence. What's that sentence going to be? You have five seconds to make an impression on somebody to, to offer somebody a supply, a, a, a safety line. What's that line going to be? And so, brothers and sisters, may the Lord bless you and keep you. And I pray that each one of us will continue to burn bright and that the Lord, because we know He's coming, and I hope and pray that I'm there and I look forward to His kingdom. And what a joyous time that will be for each one of us.
Dear Lord, our Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise for this hour, for your message that was brought to us through Brother Justin, and we pray that your blessings will continue to come forth to us and through us to others. We pray that as we uh, go forth from the sanctuary into the uh, fellowship hall, that the food and fellowship will go to our nourishment. We pray that it will be a blessing to us, and we pray that you'll be with us this coming week as we go about our work, both our regular work and your work. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.